0: But uh, we're, we're in this series called The Invitation, as you can see on the screen, and we've looked at a couple things so far. We've looked at, we've looked at the, the invitation that Jesus gives us, and he invites us into the uncommon life. And the two words that Jesus used as he invited his, those early, those early disciples, what were the two words? We got one section over here that kind of was halfway responsive. The rest of you, I realize some of you may not have been here. That's okay. It was a pop quiz. But uh, the two words were, follow me. And Jesus took that moment. He invited us into his life. And then last week, we dug into the whole idea around forgiveness. We looked at Matthew chapter 18 and Peter and his bold statement of how many times do I need to forgive somebody? Seven times. Feeling like he's just so bold and so out there on the edge when he does that. And Jesus like, no, actually 70 times 7. And what it looks like for us to live a life of uh, a very unusual forgiveness. Have you had to practice that this week at all? Yeah. Well, if you haven't, I don't know. You've, you probably just stayed locked in your room all week if you haven't. <laughs> I found that, that you can't really go through life without stepping on a few toes or having your toes stepped on as well. And so that's, that's what we're in. And so today's topic and, and our idea today and around all of our Life Center campuses from here to Central to Rainier everybody's got a little group of friends from their campus that are just kind of sitting down here for this discussion around what it looks like for us to kind of step into intentional uh, reconciliation. And this, the, the kind of there's a couple disclaimers. One is this is just kind of like we're, we're stepping into the water. We're not probably going to get all the way down into the deep end. Have you seen those pools where you just wade in? And it's like you don't have to jump in. You can just kind of take... This is kind of the weighed-in approach today. And so we're going to just have this conversation. I got a few thoughts, a few scriptures. But we're going to just kind of stop and, and jump into this and in, in what we see today. So I'm going to let everybody introduce themselves. We got four distinguished panelists. And sorry that it's all dudes. It's just the way it worked out. And so that wasn't... It, was just, it just worked out that it was all guys. It wasn't... In, it just. That's how it happened. You got to give some grace there. But uh, let's start down at the far end. Who do we have down there?
1: Lee McMillan.
0: Yeah, Lee. What? T- boy, that sounded good. Yeah, little. You had a little feed. You had a little reverb going. sounded like God was talking to us. So, so Lee, you've been around this particular building for how long?
1: Twenty-eight years.
0: Twenty-eight years. he, he didn't build it, but he's been around. He's seen a few remodels. And uh, Lee, you, give us a little bit of just a little background, wh- where you kind of your, you know, 30 second story of like who you are, where you came from. Kind of, everybody up here has some uniqueness to their story. What's, what's unique to your story?
1: Well, I, I was born uh, in Tulalip, Washington in an in a, um, Indian hospital uh, because my mother was Indian, my father was Scottish and English. And I grew up uh uh under the uh and now I'm an elder at the Sequamis Indian tribe. And uh, uh I've I got saved uh thirty thirty-eight years ago. Uh when I was forty-two years old. That's kinda old to be getting saved, really. Wow. But uh uh anyway, I've been a Christian all this time and praise the Lord. Uh but uh I've also uh, I've gone to uh, the jail for I went to the jail for downtown Pierce County Jail for three and a half years. What and, were you in uh, for? And I, I went. To, <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, you were. I was there. I was in there to preach. Oh, okay. <laughs> preach I just, the word of God. I was just wanting to get some clarity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we want to know who we're talking to today. I was I wasn't looking out. I was looking in. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, all
1: right. <laughs> uh, and one of the one of the things that I always talked to him about was forgiveness every time because it's such an important yeah thing in in the Christian community, yeah. you know.
0: And, and Lee, you've got some ministry to the tribe. Yes, uh, so
1: well, not to the tribe, but we have a, a, a church that where we meet Saturday mornings at uh, upon. Uh, just off of Portland Avenue on 56, the Eastside Community Center. We meet there, and uh, we're trying to reach the Indian community uh, in this area. Yeah. 206 area. 20,
0: 253 or 253. Area. Well, it's okay. What, <laughs> whatever it takes. Yeah, we'll take and them all. And 360. Yeah, <laughs> we'll take them all. And then you. So you, you were telling me too. You have some. You actually have some roots and lineage that go back to even some of the chiefs of the Suquamish.
1: Yeah, my uh, great-grandfather was the last chief of the Suquamish tribe. If you know anything about the Suquamish tribe, you've probably heard that uh, Chief Seattle was the last chief of the tribe. Not so. It's written in stone that my great-grandfather was uh, the last chief of the tribe because it's on his headstone. And Chief Se- him and Chief Seattle anyway were good friends, good buddies. They grew up together. They probably, because uh, they were born in the in the late 1700s, uh, they probably saw uh, Captain Cook and Captain Vancouver come into the Sound. Wow! So that you know, that's uh, that's something I I, um, I I always wonder about that because uh, that's uh, that's a great Time in history when things all of a sudden just started changing, you know. So,
0: anyway. Yeah, that's crazy. So, next is.
2: So, my name is Isaac Iras. and I was uh, born and raised in Puerto Rico. Um, lived there till I finished my high school in 1995, and then moved from this great party island to. Having, you know, having a bunch of friends and things like that. I grew up in the church, by the way, but, you know, if you've ever been in the island and if you've been to Puerto Rico, it's a very warm, not just warm with uh, uh, climate, but also people. And so was born and raised there and went from there after I graduated high school to Logan, Utah, which is, <laughs> if you've been to Logan, Utah, it is not considered a party town. It was That was like... <laughs> August of 1995, and it was 85 percent Mormon, uh, predominantly uh, predominantly a white community, and uh, so yeah. Uh, fast forward from there, I was there for four years, then uh, joined the military, United States Air Force, served in the active duty from 1999 till 2003. And uh, this was my first and last duty station. That's what brought me here to beautiful Washington. And we've been here, I've been here since 1999. And my wife and I got married in 2000. And she's been here since year 2000.
0: So next we have... My
3: name is Brandon Green. i been at Life Center for about six years. I'm from South Dakota. <laughs> 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 well...
0: Come on, come on. We got All right, we're making progress now.
3: <laughs> I was a youth in the in the 90s and it's a coma in the 90s position because I, we my family we, met, we had a common interest in playing ball together, basketball. And so my father got closer to God as a result of us being friends with that family and he had a model of how to really um lead his family. And um Leading his family, that really helped me discover a little bit more who I was in Christ at a young age. Um, And it kept me away from the gang life. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's pretty, that's, that's, I'm really thankful to God because that couple actually um, ended up attending Life Center for a season. Um, That individual, his name was Tim, Tim Page. He was a coach, uh, assistant basketball coach for Life Christian Academy. They now live in... um, back in Kansas City now. But I'm really thankful for that early encounter, um, that connection way back then, because I don't, Lord who knows who I, where I'll be now. Yeah, So. and last but not least.
4: Yeah, um, my name's Ben, and uh, I'm Indian too. <laughs> the Spice Tribe. The which so, one? The Spice Tribe.
0: The Spice Tribe, okay. <laughs> there we go.
4: So uh, I grew up in India, in a Christian family, uh, the city I grew up was where Saint Thomas was martyred hmm. uh, and so we've had Christianity for a long time I mean right from christ but uh, so f- few generations of my family has been christian I, as far as I know i I can't tell when we changed but uh, I've traveled a bit uh, like every True Indian boy. I worked in software. <laughs> <And then> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about stereotypes <laughs> at some point, but he just put it out there already for us. So, so uh, I, I didn't even to, have to go there.
4: <laughs> yeah. So just to break the stereotype, I quit the job and came into ministry. And so I worked with churches, and then I came to California in 2008. Worked with the church there. Uh, and then from there, I moved to Canada f- for a few years, and uh, met my wife uh, online. Uh, I mean, I'm touching
0: upon every stereotype. What uh, what, what website was it? <laughs> Christian Mingo. No, 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 or really. uh,
4: it, it is called Called Together.
0: Called Together. Yeah, it's okay. a small site. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, it's awesome. I my, one of my kids <laughs> met online. I have, huh? Yeah, he created the site. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, now on I'm, the, I'm on the front page. Now, <laughs> now the audience is just killing us. Now it's it's all over. So yeah, we
4: got married uh, last year, 2018, and uh, I moved from Canada to here. Yeah, so I'm pretty new to this part of. Uh, you know, uh, the U.S. and uh, my wife moved from Mis-
0: Missouri, and then Missouri. You started to say Missouri. Missouri. Misery. <laughs> really? I'm just kidding. It's
4: Although from what you said, it seemed like that, but. She <laughs> <moved>. <laughs> so I moved. Uh, I moved from Canada. She moved from uh, Missouri, and then, uh, and then, yeah. Uh, uh, we've been with Life Center for almost, less than a year, but then I met Pastor Jeff, and he was talking about this new, you know, campus, and then we've been here for like a few months.
0: That's all, I've been here too, so we're all, we're all together, so aren't these great guys, and uh, just so many, so many different stories, and you can see, I mean, we're just, we're scratching some surface today, like everybody's got a story, you all have a story, we're, we're together collectively telling a greater story of, of god's goodness and god's greatness but but he, he works through each of our stories which i think is fascinating core verse today and we we'll, we could be here i think until like the worship night tonight at seven we're not going to do that we didn't bring lunch in so we're not <laughs> going to do that but genesis 127 look at those words so god created human beings in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them a significant verse and just you know guys we don't have to go down the row or anything but anybody have a thought why is that why is that so significant that god created human beings in his image
3: all lives matter Amen. um <laughs> thank you um in culture today, it's a lot of, we're a lot, a lot of standing up for injustice, um, and it's not really rooted in the umbrella of Christ. Um, theology has to take the take preference over sociology and all the other ologies, um, and so you know we've, the Black Lives Matter is a big thing today, and that doesn't matter if it, if it's not biblical, um, and then. Jesus created all of us in His image to do good works, um, which He prepared beforehand. Ephesians two chapter two ten, and so um, that really speaks volumes because we all have a role in making Him known. And in our in our we find our identities in Christ, and in our new identities, um, we reveal His identity. And so, people can't believe in a Christ they haven't heard of, and it's up. It's our jobs to. Make him known by our character, by people viewing us and seeing his characteristics and his characteristics and attributes weren't racism, or he didn't look at, uh, you know, uh, someone's social class or the culture they came from or their background. Even though he created us and he knows he's he's not numb and blind to what our physical, what we look like, if we're black, white, green, yellow, any of that. But he created us for a reason to relate to others and. Um, to really make him known. And so if we're all, we're all created in his image, that should, that's all that matters. And it tells me that we should go beyond our circle of influence, right? Anybody else?
0: Image of God, the Imago Day. we're created in God's image, it's stamped on us. What, what's that mean to you?
1: Well, uh, one thing that's definitely false is a lot of people think that only white people can be racist. You know, but uh, uh, because they're racist against people of color. That's not true. Anybody could be racist. I I know that for a fact. Uh, uh, Many in the Indian community, there are many that that hate the white man. Still, for all that they've done against the Indian community. And some places still are doing but uh, when I was when I was young, I remember I too we were at war. This was Second World War, and I hated the Japanese because we were at war with them. You know, but I did. We were at war with the Germans too, but I I didn't hate them because we had a family of Germans people that, in our neighborhood. We didn't have any Japanese people, mm. but. Uh, uh, I, uh, today, even uh, even today, I'm still friends with that family, and uh, but I I learned that hey, why hate the Japanese people? Uh, they're made in God's image too, you know, and we're all we're all human beings. We should all love one another, and that's what God has is teaching us is to love one another.
0: So. anybody else, the image of God? We got yeah. Okay. I would
1: I would second exactly what Lee
2: said. Uh, Because growing up in Puerto Rico, I mean, we we have, we can, you can be Puerto Rican and be like as pale as you, Jeff.
0: Thank you.
2: (laughs) Or be. (laughs) Oh, we're going to go there, huh? (laughs) Or or be as dark as you can be. So um, the color wasn't the issue, but the prejudice was there towards Mm. people, specifically for people that would leave the island to go to the States to get a better life. Um, so I, I remember um, I had an uncle that, that, that left when I was a kid. I was probably, I don't know, between 8 and 12 years old. And, and this, is where, this is how I was raised. I'm not going to generalize that every Puerto Rican family is the same, but how I was raised, and I remember having an expectation that that uncle had to mail me some money at Christmas because he just had to. And when, as I got older... And the Christmas card stopped. It was just kind of an entitlement that I felt like, oh, if you're there, uh, you, you should you should be sending us money. And then as I grabbed that flight in ninety-five from Puerto Rico to move to Utah, um, it, it just I just felt like kind of had a chip on my shoulder about, you know, everybody is against me. But then you joined the military and you're in basic training. And you have to give your life, if you will, to the person, the next person that's bunking right by you on your right or on your left. And you have to wake up early. And you have to, I remember I couldn't do push ups to save my life. And this, this dude from Seattle was the one helping me, um, you know, get through the push ups. Because if I didn't, I was going to get recycled. They called and you're going to lose two weeks and have to do the whole thing over again. I didn't want to do that. So um, going through that basic training. In the military, really helped me just kind of, you know, break me down and build me up. But as I as I saw that, I I just remember looking back that I just really had a chip on my shoulder. And and unfortunately, I do have family members still that um, that live in the island or they're here now. Uh, I remember when I told my wife, my mom, that I was marrying, or who I like, which was my wife, and she was like. Why are you not marrying a Puerto Rican woman? And so it w- It was that was a that was a serious question. And we've been married uh, twenty years almost. And if if I and in, in the twenty years that I've <laughs> in the twenty years that we've been building a life together, right? If I my mom is a, you know she's got a little dementia and things like that, but it wouldn't take long for my mom to take my side. Um, so it's, it's just that going back to it's not about me being you know wherever I'm from it's about the number one thing is Christ died on the cross for my sins for our sins and so we just have to leave that that pride aside a little bit and even you know I'm so proud of serving this country um, of, of of our American flag, of what we stand for, our values, sometimes I even have to give that up a little bit, because I feel like I put country sometimes ahead of God, and so if that's a big thing for us, living here in this nation, we, we live in an extra blessed nation, um, and we love our football, we love a, a lot of things that we do, our traditions, but the the, the major thing is I want to run for Christ, and we should be running for Christ as hard as sometimes we run for our country or or for our, you know, nationalities or whatever. I just, that's that's what I feel like this pride that God built in us is for that, to just just run after him and to run that race like Paul talks
0: about. Great. Ben, you want to throw any? Uh,
4: you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sense of identity that what I feel that... Uh, um, you know the, the the biggest commandment given given to us is love God, but the, the the second part is love your neighbor as yourself. The key point we actually miss on is that uh, we, I think many of us love people. That's there, but it, the central part is as yourself. Here's the here's the important thing: who you think you are will determine who your neighbor will be. Sometimes we get caught in that identity, you know, coming from India, uh, naturally we gravitate towards people who look like me and think like me, so we only start loving those people. It's not a question of hating others, but our circle becomes very narrow, and this points us to the right identity of broadening the circle, because if we are caught up in the identity of, you know, either our jobs or our culture or race or everything, we won't consciously hate other people but we'll narrow down the circle so the key thing is who you think you are will determine who you love that's the bottom line so. oh,
0: that's good that was really good right there so a couple our, our big idea kind of ties in with this verse is simply that since we were all created in god's image there's no room for racism in the kingdom of god it's interesting if you look at your at our dna match anybody done 23 and me or any of those things they say, of our DNA is all in alignment. The differences of any of us in this room is 0.5. So isn't that crazy? 0.5 is what makes the distinction. So when you think about that, we have way more in common than we don't have in common. When it's 99.5, I would have loved that grade on a test in school. Huh? (laughs) Anybody with me, you know? It's like, yeah, I would have loved that, those... Really much better than those 76s and seventy. you know? Yeah, careful, careful back there. Yeah, you were just right up there, weren't you? Top of your class. Okay, yeah, so. But, but we, live, we live in a culture of us and them. We live in that culture of us and them. And I don't care what, you, all kinds of different things. We're talking about race today. But us and them, there's a tension. And culture thrives on the us and them mentality, I'm not going to ask you which like, news source you prefer, but your news source is, creates an us and them mentality. I, whatever you take in in this world, it's an us and them tension, and that tension is what makes the money. The tension is made in the money of us and them, and so culture is doing everything possible to pull us down into this us and them. I, I was reading a book, and Tyler shared a chapter with us out of this book, and it's called The Third Option. See, us and them is option one and two. The third option is defined as the option of honor, kind of what you were saying, kind of what's been shared already, honoring what it is that we have in common. It's a, it's a culture of honor. And, 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 and sociologists have this, this phrase and they have this aspect of, of what's called grouping. And we all, you you talked about some of the, you've all kind of mentioned groupings, because there's all kinds of groupings. Think about the groupings just in this room right now. Uh, any women? Okay, there's a group. Any men? It's okay, guys. You're, it's okay to be, it's, it's okay. I'm not, it's not a trick question. Any, uh, any, any mothers? Okay. Uh, any, you know, but you just start going, there's fathers, there's mothers, there's there's people that are under 25. There's different, our culture has generational categories of people. We got some builders in here, and we got some boomers in here, and I don't know, busters, and Gen X, and millennial, I don't know. There's, but our culture does all of this thing to create groupings for us, and whatever group you consider yourself in, and it's multiple groups, all of a sudden that becomes your in-group. You, you have identity, you, you see that, you look for that, and you know it's like all the whole, I see people from India that's an in group there's a, there's a pattern of activity or there's there's interest and there's all these things and you understand your in group but you don't understand your out group and and so all of a sudden you you give there's all kinds of things that happen when we have an in group we 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 go down a pathway that the in group gets some it gets it gets some kind of uh, it gets it gets it gets some pathway here because your in group is an in group. You're comfortable with your in group. You spend time with your in group. You're you're more patient with your in group. You give. I was listening to another podcast this week from a, a secular standpoint, but it was all about the benefit of the doubt. You give the benefit of the doubt to your in group, but your out group, you don't. There's no there's no benefit there. You hold back on that. there's more grace you communicate easier you you just make an assumption you'll get along easier you're willing to go out of your way all the assumptions are positive to your in group but when it comes to your out group now all of a sudden everything all of those things just become the opposite and so there's a tension for us when we think about the in group and the out group bias because all of a sudden i'm positive to one group and i'm negative to another and we're how about in your life like in group out group positive, negative, assumptions you've made, anything you guys want to throw out there? That was a weird question. In-group, out-group, just places, times you felt like, well, this is my in-group times maybe where it's like, wow, that group didn't really know me, but all of a sudden
3: they put me in the out-group. My senior year, um, I transferred to Bethel High School, and Bethel is a lot different now. Um, It's a lot more diverse, but Um, In 2002, um, I revealed my age a little bit, Um, but um, a pup, (laughs) young pup, (laughs) I'm getting some experience. Um, When I went out there, um, there was maybe about 40 African-American kids that attended the school, and I went to school in Mount Tahoma and Clover Park before that, way different. So when I got out there, it was like a culture shock to me. You know, a lot of cowboy hat wearers and big trucks driving over curves and stuff. I'm like, what is this? And, and so I consider myself, well, the out group, really. So even lunchtime, I would skip school. I didn't want to be around anyone because it wasn't what I was used to. And so um, I had the assumption that they wouldn't want to talk to me. The way I speak, they're not. they can't relate to the way I speak. Everyone here speaks like Sweet Valley High. Everybody remember anyone remember that show? <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: I wouldn't admit that I watched it, but <laughs> I didn't watch I
3: just knew a little bit about it. <laughs> okay. And so um, probably about this second semester I started to gravitate more toward the kids that were African American, you know, so I can be comfortable. Um, and you know, what I think about is, I, I just think about John chapter 4. You know, the Samaritans were the outgroup, right? When Jesus went and um, had the encounter with the Samaritan woman. And he asked to drink, drink, get a drink from her cup. And see, he sent his disciples away to get him food, but Jesus knew he wasn't going to need to be fed by that type of physical food. But he knew that his disciples would be racist. Like, why are, you, why are we talking to this Samaritan woman? Even the Samaritan woman, why are you? Why are you asking to drink from my cup? You know a little, a little bit of history. I mean, Assyria invaded Israel as part of God's judgment, and so they kind of interbreed it. and so the Samaritans were considered unclean. But Jesus wanted to kind of nip this. You know, there's no room for racism. You know, and so um, because of that encounter, well, the Samaritans ended up believing, and Jesus really set down that model um, how we should not. Judge a book by its cover. Where we are all one. He only knows knew us from redeemed versus unredeemed. That's it. And so it just made me when I, when I was sitting here reading. Um, it just made me think about it. It's been playing in my mind the whole time. <laughs> it's John chapter four, um, because that really speaks really to this subject. Clear, clearly.
0: Oh. Oh, excellent. Anybody else in group? Out group bias. Times you've experienced it, either you've lived it out, or feel you feel like it's been lived out against you. Any anybody?
2: I I always thought when I was in Utah, I was dating Case. That um, you know, it was a first year at Utah State University was a little tough. Uh, that you know, I was I I knew English because uh, in Puerto Rico, people you know some you know my parents had me in a private Christian school that spoke you know, solely English, uh, at least a Spanish class. So I, I just remembered it, but when you spend your whole entire life speaking Spanish, it, it was hard for me to express myself. So I felt when I left Puerto Rico to go to Utah, uh, I, I moved with my older brother, which is 16 years older than me. And so uh, I just remember having a hard time and I, you know I still have an accent today but it was a little harder to, to speak the language and, and things like that and so when you're trying to express yourself to somebody they kind of look at you like what are you trying to say um, but you know working at uh, the, the print shop with my brother some you know sometimes there was high stress there and I was trying to explain something and I would have to grab my brother and say hey did, here, here's what's going on with the machine because I, right now I can't really tell you in English because it's, you know, kind of stuck in my brain. But uh, Utah State University that first year was a little tough because it's predominantly white and except the football players. But uh, uh, so... Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> in basketball. But but anyway, so I, I just felt a little bit, um, you know, kind of, you know, put to the side, if you will. And again, going back to my years in high school... I was kind of the life of the party, and our high school was very small. I think twenty-seven of us graduated. We we all graduated, but that's how big our class was. So uh, to go from that than to go to a place where you didn't know, I would say, "Hey, to my brother, hey, what are we going to do tonight?" And he's like, "Well, we're just going to go to Albertsons, rent a movie, and and that's it. That's our Friday night." And I'm like, "What?" I mean, so uh, but so to, to answer your question, I think I felt a little bit. Uh, you know, put to the side. But my, I, as I think about that time period, that wasn't not my greatest battle. My greatest battle was I was trying to run from God, and th- and I was just trying to do my own thing because I was born and raised in the church, and parents were elders and things like that at our church. And so when I went to Utah, it was my ticket. My d- brother never really served Jesus, so it was like, hey, I'm going to just do my own thing. So um, I-, I felt that everything that I was doing uh, was kind of out of the will of God and I was just doing my own thing. And that's where I kind of, not until I, you know, kind of picked up the phone, the phone book at that time. We used to have phone books for my kids. Phone book is a big 20-pound thing that we used to get every year. (laughs) But anyways, um, I picked up the phone book and and, uh, rededicated my life to Jesus. I said, I I need to be plugged in to Jesus because um, I'm living with this, festered anger of you know i'm in the wrong place um not till when i rededicated my life to jesus 96 or 97 around that time that i just felt like um that's where i needed to be so regardless if you have prejudice or not if you're not walking where god wants you to walk you're not going to feel joy you're not going to feel a sense of of, a belonging um so that was kind of my, you know, then after I felt like after I joined the military and, and put my trust in my brothers next to me, uh, I came to Washington State, which is a very diverse, in my opinion, is a very diverse uh, uh, state. I haven't really had to deal with that much. When I j- jumped into the financial sector and started uh, going in there, it's predominantly a white, uh, you know, male-led, but... But God's favor has been upon my life that He's given. He's given me an amazing amount of favor and opened amazing doors that I could never have would have opened for myself. Um, so if we are if we are sticking to uh, loving others, like Ben said, like ourselves, um, and we're focusing on that, um, I, I think uh, th- those groups and those things. Are true, but they don't have to lead our life. They, they don't have to mark us. Uh, we should be marked by unity. So.
0: Great. Anybody else want to jump in on that?
1: Well, I'm probably not as affected by group groups like that, uh, grouping, um, except like this group, you know, this, my friends and wonderful Christian people that I. I get around like yesterday morning and this afternoon. Uh, we'll put on another service down at uh, Cascade Vista Retirement Home. So <laughs> the only other group that that isn't uh, uh, a Christian group uh, that I uh, get around is uh, the handball group <laughs> because I'm a handball player and I go to the Y and play. And it's a large group. It's I mean I know people all over the world actually uh that play handball so uh, and they all know that i'm christian and i make sure they they know that and uh after um, you beat
0: them or <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but i'm really blessed in the fact yeah. that they
0: don't shun me because i'm christian. sure yeah no so. that's good been anything in group out group bias at all or
4: I wouldn't say bias. I mean, I think there's a lot of differences and cultural differences even within India, right? Like, uh, if I go to the next state, they speak a different language. It's a different script. Alphabets are different, so it's completely like so. Uh, I think what I've learned earlier on in life is, because we, if I go from my state to the next state, it's like a different culture, right? So uh, I've never grown up with expectations, you know? When I came to the U.S., uh, people always ask me, "Did you have a culture shock?" I said, "No." I said, How come? I said, I, "I didn't expect. I expected it to be different. So why would I have a shock?" Yeah. <laughs> right. So <laughs> it's like you. It's like for me, it's very adventurous to go a new place and see something different. So. Sure.
0: Yeah. A couple. Couple things here. We're gonna. We're gonna wrap this up. We're gonna end with communion and. Is the communion up here, Steve? You might run down to the kitchen and grab that. Steve's going to go down and get it. A couple things. In in this little video I was watching this week, I thought he had a a couple really cool thoughts, and I just want to wrap up with those, and we're going to receive communion, and these guys are going to pray over us and stuff. But a couple things, just some next steps. Uh, One one was this, was just to acknowledge your blind spots. Because we all have blind spots. That's why they're called blind spots. We have, we, we all carry a social narrative, and as we carry that, that story defines how it is that we see the world. You can't avoid your social narrative, it's part of, it's part of what we are. Just a simple illustration. How many, uh, how many right-handed people? Right-handed people. How many left-handed people? All right, we got to stick, look, all right, here we go. Now, there's, a, there's, have you noticed left-handed people, the four of us in the room? Have you noticed that it's a right-handed world? It's like when you go to school, if there's a desk with the built-in desktop, it's on the right side. If you, uh, if you get, go to a golf shop, all the clubs in the golf shop are right-handed. If you go to buy a catcher's mitt, they're all right-handed for a right-handed person. And so there's no left-handed catchers in the major leagues because they can't buy a mitt. <laughs> it's like... It's like, that's how that goes. Any, any left-handed people enjoy scissors? <laughs> huh? Like, like when I'm a kid, I, what, the rack we had in elementary school was like 28 pairs of these silver scissors, and then the 29th pair had this green vinyl on the, on the little rings of it, and on it, it was stamped, Lefty. Huh? Huh? Like, hey, it's one of those lefty pairs of scissors. See, folks, it's, a, it's, it's called right privilege. And uh, <laughs> I know that was a bad pun, and I probably shouldn't have used it. But I'm a left-handed person, and I, I get it. That was, but, 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 but acknowledge your blind spots. What does it look like to walk in someone else's shoes? Uh, a second quick thought is simply this. No more those people. How about renaming everybody as a brother and sister? We're 99.5% the same. Folks, you can't, you can't get off on that 0.5%. This is a brother and sister culture. We, you, you said it, love God and love your neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Everybody, everybody. And what if you name someone less than a neighbor? Then you've made it okay to treat them in a different way. So everybody is your neighbor, you know, Mr. Rogers had it right. Won't you be my neighbor? I mean, but th- there was a, there's a point to that. Before you begin to criticize, you have to understand. It's about how you speak about people, how you pray about people, how you refer to people. Once they're your neighbor, there's a lot of things you're not going to allow to take place because they're your neighbor. And you've got to begin to figure out where it is that you've got to give your in-group love to somebody that you might consider in your out-group. And you've got to acknowledge that your brother or, or sister's color, you see, every color has a burden. Every color has some challenges to it. And, uh, and as you have conversations, you can view every conversation as kind of a, a consultation. Like, tell me, help me, learn. Can I learn from you? Can I learn teach me something here. I don't know. I didn't grow up in South Tacoma. What can I learn from Ray? I didn't grow up in Puerto Rico. I, didn't, I don't have a heritage that comes from India. I'm not part of the, the, the tribal influence here in this region. I, how, tell me. Teach me. Give grace. You ever said something stupid before? If you haven't, it'll happen later today. And so <laughs> it, it, com- it happens. What does it look like for us to be people of grace? What does it look for us to be people like, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt there. That was really a stupid thing you said, but I'm going to go ahead and give you the benefit of the doubt and let's work through this. I, that was something stupid I said. Will you forgive me? Teach me. And so there's so much here for us to learn. This is just the beginning of the conversation. Did you enjoy these guys? I mean, they were, they were amazing. And if you want to jump up to the keys, that'd be great. And I got a, I got a couple verses, and I'm going to have these guys pray as we receive communion today. Paul, Paul had a couple spaces where he wrote, some I think, some significant words. One of them is 1 Corinthians 12-13. It's going to pop up on the screen. And it, and it simply says that some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But listen to this: but we all have been baptized, what, into one body by what? By one Spirit, and we all what? We all share the same Spirit. What part of that do you not understand? Do I? I, I mean, there's some words in there. The the word all <laughs> comes out a couple times. All means all. It's not like some. There's a difference between some and all. This is all. All have been baptized. All share the same spirit. Huh? And so I'm going to invite these guys. They're going to serve the communion elements to us. And hold on to them. We'll, uh, we'll receive it together. And I want, to, I want to read another verse as they're serving this. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, chapter 11 gives us kind of the formula around baptism. And... Uh, but verse verse verses 16 and 17. Look at, look at what's said right there. And, and we wanted to serve today just really that the elements in the not in the cup form that we have to wrestle with, but just in this space here, because look at look at what it says right there. It says, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the and when we break the bread. Aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, though we are different, though you pick whatever you want to put in the many category, we all eat from one loaf of bread. I didn't think this was one loaf, but it it was one box of crackers. But we all eat from the same box of crackers. We all eat from the same loaf of bread. And what do we do when we do this? It says we're showing that we are... One body. So this communion that brings us together, and it's the, one of the two things we do together as a church universal, it's bringing us into this space that shows us one body. One body. One team here. It's called Team Jesus. That's what team we're on. You guys brought that up a couple times today. Just that we are on Team Jesus. It's not like he hasn't picked us. He's like, I'm selecting teams. I have one team, and it's Team Jesus. Are you, are you in? And that's what the communion table represents for us. It represents that moment that we stop and just say, hey, I'm in. One body, one bread. We're all together here. This brings us together. And uh, I think that is so incredible. And so has everybody been served? And so we're going to. We're going to receive the bread and one of you guys gets to pray for the bread and so we'll go with uh, Ben. Ben, you can, as we receive this today, just just bring us into that space of what this represents as we receive the the, the bread and the body of Christ.
4: Father, we thank you for this privilege of uh, sharing in your suffering your brokenness uh, thank you for the reminder that uh, you take in all the brokenness of the world and our own inherent brokenness Lord on you just to make us completely new and completely different uh, creatures that we, you intended us to be when you created us and as we take the spread, Lord Help us to be reminded that we are no more broken. But uh, we are there standing in, in your image, Lord, and uh, giving out grace to each and every one we meet. It oh, doesn't matter what race, what culture, what uh, the place, their background they come from, but we have to be standing for you uh, in this world and uh, being a channel of your grace, Lord, through us.
0: Let's receive the bread together. He also gave us the cup. He said it's the new covenant. It's the new day of coming into that relationship with me. Isaac, would you pray over the cup?
2: Jesus, um, we're thankful for the blood that you shed by Sometimes, think what were you thinking? Were you thinking about me when you were hanging on that cross? You were thinking about us, you were thinking about our darkest hour, and how you were taking that and standing there before us so that we could be free. So, we thank you for your precious blood, and we're sorry. I'm sorry for every way I've taken it for granted. Please forgive us. Lord, we want to run the race for you. Your word says we want to run the race to win. And it's to win souls. And it's to get people to know you. There is no greater gift given to us than you, Jesus. And we thank you. Father, I thank you for sending your son die on the cross for our sins. Giving our child up, you gave your child up for us so that there would be no divide. This is not just about Jews. This is about Jews, Gentiles, every color, every race, every nationality, every background mean the world to you. That's why you say that that pastor goes out there and gets that, that shepherd He goes out there and he gets that one and leaves the 99 behind. And you have done that with every single person represented here today. And we thank you for that. Thank you for the sacrifice that you've made. Thank you for this cup. We're so thankful. In Jesus' name.
0: Let's receive the cup together. I'm going to invite you to stand, and as we do that, but it won't pop up on the screen. I was just, I was thinking of this verse when I woke up this morning, and it won't be on the screen, but I just want you to listen to these words. It's Revelation 7 9. And the and the words of Revelation 70, 7 9 simply say this. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and every tribe and every people. In every language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. It was this moment of praise in that next reality that you and I are entering into, where there, there will be a, a, a very level ground for all of us as we worship Jesus. And so in this moment, I just we want that's the reminder today of who we are. In Christ and what it is that He's done for us, and the re- and just every tribe, every nation, every 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 all together loving and honoring Jesus. And so, Ray, would you pray as we uh, as we step out
3: today? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for just this powerful discussion on intentional reconciliation. Thank you for bringing awareness to us and how we should operate in the world and society moving forward. Just thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for redeeming us, um, pulling us out of the graveyard of our sins. We were separated from you, Jesus, but yet you brought us close to you. You left us with your Holy Spirit to give us access to you. Just want to say thank you for all that you're going to continue to do. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your body. One body. We all play a vital role. Doesn't matter our race, our upbringing, our status. All that matters is our love for you. Our unbreakable love for you because you have an unbreakable love for us. And that's how we ought to love others. Just want to say thank you and be with us as we depart this place and just allow us to have a blessed week walking in our true identity. In your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give these guys a hand again. And uh,
0: don't forget, we will be back here tonight at 7 just for a little time just to soak it in, and so we'd love to have you join us again. So thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for a couple extra minutes as we could share in this theme today. You you need to meet Ben's wife. She's a... a